Welcome to Dominion Today with Kevin and Chantel Davis, a podcast where you will learn how to discover your calling, live your purpose, and fulfill your destiny. By listening to these episodes, you'll build the confidence you need to operate in dominion and authority so you can walk in the revelation of the victory that belongs to you in Christ Jesus. Now, here's your host, Kevin Davis. Last week, we spoke about the significance of occupying until He comes. But before we can occupy, we have to overcome. Before the Israelites could occupy the promised land, they first had to overcome the enemy. Last week, I already touched on this sharing and talking about Caleb, who at the age of 85 years of age said, give me my mountain. There were giants occupying that mountain, but nonetheless, he knew that God had made a promise and that that mountain was promised to him and to his descendants as an inheritance. And he was not going to allow the giants to remain on that mountain any longer. But in order for him to occupy his mountain, he had to slay those giants. David had to first kill Goliath. And Joseph had to overcome intense rejection. You see, God doesn't want you to maintain your problem. He doesn't want you to entertain the situation. He does not want you to manage the addiction, the affliction, or the problem. He wants you to overcome. You do not have to manage that sickness or disease or illness. He wants you to overcome. That thing that's causing a separation between you and God. Or even between you and your wife, you and your husband. God doesn't just want you to manage that situation. He wants you to overcome it so that you can walk in victory. In John chapter 16 and verse 33 in the King James it says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace in him. You can highlight those words, in him. That's the speaking of Christ. Jesus is speaking. He says, so that in me ye may have peace. Because in this world you will not have peace. When you are in the world, you will not have peace. You will have the exact opposite of that, which is chaos, turmoil, stress, anxiety, fear. But when you are in Him, and when you remain in Him, you will have peace. Why? Because He is the Prince of Peace. He is perfect peace. And remember that peace is not the absence of a storm. It is the presence of peace, the Prince of Peace. It is the presence of Jesus. 
And so peace is not the absence of a storm. There's many Christians who get discouraged when they see the storm. Storms will always come. Storms will always be there. The next storm is already brewing on the horizon. Perfect peace is not the absence of a storm, but it is the presence of Jesus who is the Prince of Peace. That in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. The reason why we can say this morning and decree and declare, I am an overcomer, is because He led the way and we are to follow His example because He said, I have overcome this world. He is the perfect overcomer. So we ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? Jesus overcame. He is an overcomer. And just as Jesus overcame, we will also overcome. Every single situation that comes our way, we will overcome. I want you to have this ingrained within your heart this morning and in your spirit, man, for it to be quickened and to come alive. Because at the next staring of the storm, in front of you. You need to hear these words. I will overcome. I will overcome. The next time you get an email. The next time you get a letter in the mail. A WhatsApp, an SMS, a phone call. Bad news. Or a bad report that comes to your ears. I will overcome. These words made me think about this movie that I'm sure many of you saw, which is the movie of Rocky, Rocky Balboa, speaking to his son. And the Lord sometimes speaks to me through these movies. I'm sure you've seen that, or maybe you haven't seen that, but you've seen this clip on social media where Rocky Balboa speaks to his son. He addresses his son. And this scripture of Jesus reminds me of this. He said to his son, let me tell you something that you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are. It will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's all about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits. And not pointing fingers saying, you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that. And that ain't you. Because you're better than that. I'm always going to love you no matter what. 
No matter what happens, you're my son and you're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't going to have a life. And so it reminded me of this. In this world, you will have trouble. But praise God, that's not the end of that sentence. There is no full stop. There is a comma, but. But be of good cheer. For I have overcome this world. That means Jesus has made a way for us. He has paved the way for us. But along that path, you're going to get hit. You're going to hear slanderous talk. You're going to hear words of defamation instead of words of affirmation. Settle it within yourself today that the world hates you. That the world does not love you. You cannot seek affirmation from those who have made it their mission in life to defame you. For we are in this world, but we are not of this world. And so in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, it says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And a lot of times, this is the only part that Christians quote. Well, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. There's power in the blood. Amen. Yes, that's true. But that's not the end of the sentence. It says, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. This is why sharing your testimony is so important. Do you know that when you share your testimony, the same anointing that was present in establishing the breakthrough and victory for you is released once again. So when you share a testimony about financial breakthrough, that anointing is released once again. When you share a testimony of divine healing that took place, a miraculous healing that God did physically in your body, the moment you testify, that same anointing is released among the people again. Also, sharing your testimony solidifies the miracle. It establishes it. In other words, it's not going to be reversed. It's not going to change. There is something powerful that happens when you testify. It's like you set it in stone. When you receive that miracle of your healing, you testify and you say, look what the Lord has done. There is something that happens in the natural that is triggered of something that takes place in the realm of the spirit when you open your mouth and you testify. And so I want to encourage you every week as the Lord does something, or even if it is that the Lord is even speaking to you right now and saying, you should testify. You should. What do you do? Reach out to us. Reach out to Hilton or Charlene. Speak to them. Speak to your cell leader. And say, you know what? I have a testimony. And next week I want you to testify. If something happens two weeks from now, then that next week I want you to testify. There is something powerful that happens when you share your testimony 
And it proves that you are an overcomer. Because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, yes, but also by the power of our testimony. The word of our testimony. I want to read this to you from my favorite chapter in the Bible, Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, and verse 28, and then also verses 31 to 39. I'm going to read out of the Amplified Classic. I'm just going to quickly read through this, because this, literally, you can preach an entire series just on one verse from Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 28, in the Amplified Classic, it says, We are assured... And know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God and are called according to His design and purpose. I can stop the meeting right there on this note. This is where Romans 8, it's like every verse I'm like, I read a verse and I have to do like a dance. It's like I, I have to do a praise break. I mean, it's like, wow. But God is able to turn everything around. You say, well, I received a final notice. What final notice? The devil thought that Jesus breathing his last breath was the final act of Jesus. Three days, nothing happened. He was dead in the grave. Oh, but then suddenly, he rose in victory. So don't say it's final. It, it, it's not final. It's not final. What is final about man? Nothing. I mean, I've said it before, and I want to say this again. Just think about it. You are literally one signature away from the greatest miracle in your life. You are one message away, one phone call away, one WhatsApp away, one email away from the greatest miracle that you've ever seen in your life. It's not over. It's not over for you. It's not over for your family. It's not over for your business. It's not over. Why? Because you're an overcomer. You are an overcomer. Come on, just say this with me. I am an overcomer. Come on, say it like you mean it. I am an overcomer. One more time. I am an overcomer. Now praise Him. Hallelujah. Verse 31. What then shall we say to all this? That if God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? He who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? Question mark. Just think about all that it is that you believe in God for now. If he did not even spare his own son, how much more will he not give you all things? He did not hold back in giving his son for you. While you were still a sinner, he gave his son to you as a sacrifice. 
why would you now not, who have been clothed with his righteousness, believe that he is going to fulfill the latter part of that promise by giving you all things? Come on. All things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? When it is God who justifies. What can man do to you? What can man say about you? Even if all of mankind is attempting to discredit you, if God is for you, who can be against you? That needs to be a revelation. That is, who puts us in right relation to himself. Who shall come forward and accuse or impeach those who God has chosen? Will God, who acquits us? Who is there to condemn us? Will Christ Jesus, the Messiah who died, or rather who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, actually pleading as he intercedes for us. He is interceding for you on your behalf. He is speaking to the Father. Just think about that. So you can say, I have a friend in high places. You have a friend in high places. A few weeks ago, I said, surround yourself with people who will defend you in a room that you are not in. You've got an older brother, a friend in high places, who intercedes for you. Think about that. Who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Shall suffering and affliction and tribulation or calamity and distress, or persecution, or hunger, or destitution, or peril, or sword, even as it is written, for thy sake we are put to death all day long. We are regarded and counted as sheep for the slaughter. This is literally the lives that the early Christians lived. They did not know whether they would see the end of the day, because they might very well see the end of the day on a wooden cross. Crucified for entertainment, for sport, or just so that they could paint your body with pitch or tar, set you a light to give some light for the people walking on the road at night. That's the life that they lived. And this is why Paul says, we did not consider our lives. We were already like sleep, as sheep who were led, counted for the, for the slaughter. And this is why we have to get to the place where we know that our life, the life that we live is not our own. When you have truly died to self, I'm telling you, when you get to that place where you've died to self, there's no wicked thing, no demon in hell that will be able to come against you, to rise up against you, or threaten you with death. Death, where is your sting? For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I have no problem in laying down my life for any one of you. Anyone. That's my commitment to you. Laying down my life because my life is not my own. And I'm not just talking about doing that for my family. You are family. Capish? <laughs> We're family. And that's my commitment to you. 
When someone punches you, I'm going to be there. Someone hits you, I'll be there. When someone trips you, I'll be there. When someone mocks you, I'll be there. People say, well, that's different. But that's what it means. That's what it's like. That's the task of a shepherd is to protect the sheep. I will not tolerate lions. I will not tolerate wolves. I will not tolerate bears. I will not tolerate anything or anyone to try and lead you astray. Because the world that we are living in is becoming increasingly more corrupt. And it is wanting to corrupt you. It even wants to try and corrupt the church at large by infiltrating a local church or a leadership of a church and corrupting it from the inside out. That's how the devil works. And this is why I'm, I'm so honored to to say that where we're at and what we are doing, I mean, I'm not seeing that. I've seen churches. I've been part of churches. I've been part of ministries. I know many friends in churches and in ministries. And the stuff we see and the stuff we hear. And this is why we have to protect the purity of that which God has entrusted to us. Even as it is written, for thy sake, we are put to death all day long. We are regarded and counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet amidst these things, we are more than conquerors. We are overcomers and gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. Another translation renders this overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who so loved us. You see, that is where our boldness lies in the fact that you are so loved. The fact that I can say what I say is because I'm so loved. And I'm standing on the authority of God's word whenever I speak. Everything I speak can be challenged according to the word of God, not the opinions of man. I'm not interested in the opinions of man. I'm not interested in your version of the truth. There is the truth, the absolute unwavering truth. And it is the truth contained in the word of God and this is why I can say what I say in the boldness that I say it. this is why I will never shy away from speaking the truth I'm not concerned about the agenda of man I'm not concerned about what the buzzwords are in society there are pastors who would not say a certain thing or address a certain thing or would completely just stay away from it or disregard it in totality because Hey, you're going to get into trouble if you just hint to that. But I understand divine supernatural promotion. The fact that God is the one who promotes, that God is the one who establishes, that God is the one who calls, that God is the one who anoints, that God is the one who positions you, and He is the one to bestow authority and power upon you. And when you fear God, you will have to fear no man. I'm not afraid of man. I'm not afraid of the devil. I'm not afraid of any of his demons. There is a story that goes that the late general in the faith, Smith Wigglesworth, woke up one night. 
and saw that Lucifer himself, Satan himself, was in his room. He woke up, he saw Satan, and he said, oh, it's you. Turned around and went back to sleep. We are not fearful of the devil. We're not intimidated by the devil. Because we hold to the one who is the truth. For he is the way and that way leads to life. Life and life abundant on earth and eternal life with him for all of eternity. For I am persuaded, I'm beyond doubt, I'm sure, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things impending and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so I want to make this statement, never question the love of God. Never question the fact because it's a fact that God loves you. Say this with me. I am loved by God. Say this again. I am loved by God. So whenever you face a challenge, a trial, a tribulation, something that happens to you or that involves you or even attempts to come against you, know that you are so loved. First John 3 verse 1, the King James, it says, Behold, what, matter, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. In other words, the world does not regard you, because the world did not regard Him. If the world loves you, Quite possibly, you've been compromised. I'm talking about the demons that occupy those high places. When they love you and embrace you, you've been compromised. Or they are just beginning to deceive you, to try and lure you in to compromise you. Because whatsoever you compromise, going up the mountain will eventually control you once you reach the top. I've seen it. I've seen ministers crumble and fall because of compromise. In Mark chapter 4 verse 38, I'm just quickly going over this. The disciples are facing a perilous situation and they cry out to Jesus in this boat that is being tossed to and fro by the waves and by the wind upon the sea of Galilee. And they say, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Question mark. Do you not care that we are about to perish? And just think about this. How many times have we cried out to God with these kinds of words? Lord, do you not care what I'm going through? Lord, do you not consider me your son, your daughter in this situation? Where are you, Lord? And what they were actually asking is they were asking, why are you not responding to this crisis? Why are you not responding to our crisis? Why are you so irresponsible? You're right here, but you're doing nothing about the situation. 
Do you not care? And this is why I want to remind you, and you need to settle it within yourself today, that you are so loved. He will not cause any harm or calamity or anything to come to you. The Bible even says that he will not even bring any temptation across your path or any situation that is going to come near you that you would not be able to handle. That's his commitment to you. And so the fact that you are still alive in this crisis, in the storm, it means that you have what it takes to overcome it. The fact that you are still alive and breathing, the fact that you still have a voice, the fact that you are still able in the situation that you are in amidst the storm, it proves, it should prove, and it should settle within your spirit and within your life this morning that you have what it takes, that you will overcome. You see, there is a great price to pay for greatness. People do not understand this. I have said it time and time and time again. I have spoken to young ministers of the gospel who's wanting to launch out and wanting to do what they want to do without first paying the price you cannot lead unless you have served. Many promote themselves and elevate themselves to a level and to a position. They might appoint to themselves a rank in the natural, calling themselves an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, anything else. They might have the rank in the natural that they have taken for themselves and that they've gotten some other yes men around them to affirm yet in the realm of the spirit they have no rank no authority and no jurisdiction you see it's not about just having physical muscles but having muscle when it comes to the realm of the spirit this is what it means to operate in dominion Because there are certain principalities, strongholds, fortifications in the realm of the spirit that I'm telling you, if you find yourself trying to take on those fortifications, those strongholds, and you do not have the authority, it will destroy you, it will kill you, it will obliterate you, and quite possibly the generations that will come or should have come after you. But people think it's playing games. They think they can pursue greatness without paying the price. They take shortcuts. And these shortcuts, unfortunately, is a compromise. So do not compromise. You have to go through the process of becoming the person that God has made you and called you to be. It's a process. Jesus only started in the ministry at the age of 30. He was the son of the living God. I'm not saying that you should not and cannot enter the ministry full-time before the age of 30. I did that. There's many others who do that. I'm not saying it's about waiting for a magical number before you can do something effectively for God. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is that it comes down to this paying a price, waiting for the movement and the moment that God says, now is the time. This is the hour. This is the appointed time. This is no longer just speaking of the chronos time, the ticking of the clock. This is a kairos 
time. It is God's anointed, appointed time. And it's now. And it's at that moment when your time comes, you are stepping out of the chronos time. The ticking of the clock and you are stepping into your season, which is the kairos time of God. Time is for preparation. Season for manifestation. Do not pursue your season without first preparing in the time that you have available. If you say all you have right now is time, then take the time to adequately prepare. Take the time to sharpen your axe. Take the time to sharpen that skill set. Take the time to fully develop, shape, mold, polish that gift. For it is your fully developed gift that will make room for you and bring you among people of great influence and power. So there is a price that has to be paid for greatness. Do you know that the Bible reveals that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a woman who was highly favored. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 28, the King James puts it this way. It says, And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou that art great and highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Wow. What a message from heaven. Imagine that. As far as the world is concerned, you are just this average, plain, ordinary woman. Coming from nothing. And not going anywhere significant until suddenly there is a prophetic angel that delivers a message from the heart of God. And says to her, listen, woman, you are favored, highly favored of God. Blessed are you among all other women. Wow. You are highly favored. Now, as I say these words, many of us just want to drink it in and just receive it for ourselves. But remember... There is a price to pay for greatness. Why do I say that? Because although Mary received favor, she was highly favored. And yet, the first thing that that favor produced was scandal. Oh, we see you are pregnant. Where's your husband? The scandal was so big that her fiance, Joseph, wanted to run. He was like, I'm not having anything to do with that. That's not mine. I'm going. And he was about to go until he too had a supernatural encounter where God had to intervene because Joseph was going to go. He was going to leave. You see, men leaving at the announcement of a pregnancy is not something new. <laughs> just put that out there. 
but a real man. You see, this is why I always say the difference between a boy and a man is that a man takes responsibility. Take responsibility for your actions. That's the difference between a boy and a man. But in this case, he truly was innocent. He did nothing. And so he had a reputation to protect. He had a father. He had a mother. He had come from a family, a lineage. And he was not going to get involved with the scandal. What's it to him? There's other women that he can go and marry. Yet, coming back to Mary, the first thing that that favor brought to her life was scandal. You see, we are easy to say, quick to say, I want the favor of God. But are you ready to pay the price? Oh, the Lord has favored me to preach the gospel. The Lord has given me the ability to preach. Are you ready for the persecution? Are you ready for the trial, the tribulation, the slander that comes with it? And then when it comes, are you going to compromise? Well, I know the Bible says, but, you know, well, maybe, you know, we, we, we don't know fully. Maybe one day in heaven, you know, we will only really know. But, so maybe you're right. Maybe I'm wrong. Will you compromise? That's the question. And yet the Bible calls that favor. And so I want to say this to you in closing. Just because there are those who dishonor you does not mean that you are not worthy of honor. Just because there are those who disrespect you does not mean that you are not worthy of respect. Just because there are those who cannot and will not recognize your value does not mean that you have not become a person of value. I have walked this road which I must honestly say is a lonely road. And I'm not saying this to try and extract any sympathy or anything from you. I am saying this in humility and in reverence and fear of God because I know what it means to pay a price. I know what it is to be in a position where the enemy literally comes knocking on the door, coming for my children. We went through a situation in East London. I've never really shared this. We're in a space of only a few weeks. Chad, my little one, we were at church that morning, and he was there were certain things that he just needed to deal with in terms of his health. And so he was there at home with the nanny. And when the nanny went out to do something in the backyard, he slipped out. And he was about maybe two years old at that time. And as she was outside, she suddenly just heard a splashing sound. And he had fallen into the swimming pool. And the nanny cannot even swim. Upon coming back, she reported to us what had happened. And when I reviewed the footage on the CCTV, what was incredible was when he fell, he fell and he fell in. And with that momentum of falling in, he found himself literally in the middle of the pool. And 
at the age of two, without having any swim lessons, without having any ability, he was trying to just keep head above water, and he found himself within a second or two at the edge where she was able to pull him up. And this happened while I was preaching a fiery sermon to people all around the world. Also, another time while I was preaching to the world on television, one evening, a Friday evening, live on TV, in the studio, just after the, the live, I received a message from my eldest son saying that we need to come quick. There's someone in the house. I drove very fast with my hazards on. And I had no regard for any light, for anything. I kept it safe, but it was offensive driving. And I got there in record time. In the meantime, I had phoned someone else as well who, who came ready for action for whatever we were going to have to face. And when we got there, my, th my three elder boys were there and they were held up by a guy who had broken into the home. And he had the audacity to pull a firearm on my children, keeping them hostage in their home while he goes and, and asks for all the electronics and takes all the electronics and then went. My eldest son dealt with that situation in such wisdom, showing respect to this person when actually you, should not, in essence. But just to keep a cool, quiet head. And I mean, yeah, my son was at that time, what was it, nine years old. And you say, well, where was the person who was looking after them? Why, why are you so irresponsible? Because we had someone, and then that person failed to fulfill their commitment. And because we were dropped in that situation, that meant that now our children were there and someone had broken in. And this is why I'm saying that, and these are just but a few examples. I mean, I know what it's like having to wake up one morning, which was on my elder son's birthday. 24th of April, waking up that morning by my wife switching on the light, it was just after 5 a.m. She had gone out, as was her routine, to go out jogging with a few of her lady friends. And as she went out that morning, quietly leaving the home with her lady friends, they started to jog, talking 200 meters from our home. The guy noticed that she was listening to her earphones as she's jogging, listening to music, which I think anyone of us can understand. And he notices that, and he has such disregard for life, where all he sees is earphones. That means there has to be an MP3 player or a phone. And he runs up to her and demands whatever it is that she has. And as he's still asking or making the demand, he already begins just striking at her with a very 
long, sharp knife. And he ends up stabbing her multiple times. Her arms were shredded. And then I wake up as she switches on the light standing in front of me. And I'm still waking up from my sleep. I mean, it's 5 a.m. in the morning. And she's just standing in front of me like this. And as I open my eyes, it's like I'm still sort of in a daze, still dreaming, sharp light in my eyes. And the first thing that I saw was just blood everywhere and just blood that's just dripping, just flowing. And she just said, I've, I've been stabbed. Going to the hospital, taking her there, emergency operations and things that need to take place. At that stage, we didn't even know how severe the injuries were because she even had punctures in her back. So we didn't know. And then she started to feel like her, her arms and the sensation in her arm was starting to go away. So now, we, you know, like doctors are talking about nerve damage and, you know, paralysis. And, and it's like you hear all of these things. But it was there, even driving, where I said to her that you will live and not die and declare the goodness of God. I know what it's like to fight for my own life when the enemy tried to take my life physically in 2021. Putting things on me where my body was about to just give in. I nearly died three times in that one week. I know what it's like to fight. To fight in the realm of the spirit as I fight in the natural. There is a price that you have to pay. I know what it's like to have many friends. I know what it's like to have friends where they only pursue the benefits of the friendship. And then quick to leave once there is no more or potential reward to the friendship or to the relationship. I know what it's like to be betrayed. I know what it's like to be slandered. I know what it's like to be defamed. I know what it's like to be rejected. And that's the price that you are going to be faced to have to pay. There's a price to greatness. Yet in spite of all of these things, overwhelming victory is mine as it is yours. In Christ Jesus, who so loved us, who paved the way for us, causing us and giving us the ability to overcome. Strength lies not in the understanding of the situation, but in the revelation that you are loved. And this is why we need to draw strength from the fact that we are His beloved. For when you live, there is nothing that you would not do for your beloved. While you are alive, do not tell me there is something that you would not do for your beloved. He loves you. Jeremiah 31, 3 in closing, Amplified Classic. It says, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you and continued my faithfulness to you. That's a promise from God. Just think about this. There is a drawing. He draws you near with his loving kindness. 
reminding you of his faithfulness. Amen. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. If you'd like to help Kevin and Chantel reach and impact this generation, thank you in advance for sharing this episode with your world. If you have enjoyed Dominion today, follow Kevin and Chantel on Instagram, Facebook, and your favorite podcast platform, or connect with them online at dominion.org.za.